0: Wonderful Radio Flanagan With me, Paul Flanagan So welcome to the Great American Adventure 1988 I suppose we're going to be having chapters 1, 2 and 3 um, Chapter 1 covering, oh, I don't know, Getting There uh chapter 2 uh getting across and the bus people the bus people that I've that I've met as well um and then uh, chapter 3 we'll round it off with uh, just a few few observations about the journey about different places and everything and so this will be part 1 of the great american adventure because part 2 will be uh what did you do in the war daddy no part, part two will be so what did you do when you were there um but that that's a that's a whole different podcast by itself so sit back relax
1: the sunny side is what this show is on tv spending sundays on a
0: welcome to uh, chapter one. So it's the summer of 1988. Do you remember the summer of 1988? Were you born then? (laughs) The summer of 1988, as I've worked out, I was um, 25, 25 years old and ready for that pioneering thing that all pioneering Europeans like to do, and that's travel across America. I think previously in the past, we were trying to occupy lands and farm on it and you know beat out the indigenous Indians. But this time around, it was actually just a fantastic journey that I wanted to take. Now, uh, prior to all of this, um, there's a good friend of mine, uh, Mr. Paul Widderman, who uh, I worked with in London and in the Royal National Institute for the Blind in the sound recording studios. And he as an American chappie and um, he moved out to California. He went back home to America and moved out to California. So uh, this trip was actually uh, going out to to see him and stay with him. But uh, like most of my little adventures, uh, it's actually the adventure. It's the trip. It's the um but it's what happened on the way that actually makes a lot of the great adventures. So I had some good times <laughs> while I was there, don't get me wrong, we'll get onto that. Um, probably in another podcast actually, because um, there's quite a lot to talk about, or there's basically quite a lot for me to waffle about. And it's amazing the, um, the amount of stuff that I actually kept. Um, I've got here in front of me, which you can't see, but I'm gonna describe it to you anyway. I have a photograph album, and in the photograph album, I actually have the original uh, receipt from the travel agent um, <laughs> back in uh, Stockton on Tees in uh, England, where I purchased um, all the uh, all the various tickets that I bought because I wasn't going to do this by halves, you know, because this is like a me being I was even organised when I was twenty five. How annoying is that? Um, I decided I'd go to a travel agent because you can do all these things independently, and you can. But then you see, back in 1988, I don't think we had the internet, you know. Uh, we had teletext or something like that or whatever you know so there wasn't the um, the ability to self-book these things so so you basically had to go through a travel agent so I believe I went to the travel agent in fact I went to two or three travel agents and one, and not, none of them could cater for uh, this type of thing so this is obviously pre um, all these um, you know specialists booking agents that would get you all your independent traveler stuff so this is a standard travel agent probably not there anymore um, it's called was called badger travel (laughs) and it's got um it's got a logo of a badger in a hammock i've never looked at the logo before till now it's the logo is a badger in a hammock between two palm trees now it's not proper palm trees because they couldn't have leaves so it's got like um it's obviously done on word something like that Or, or what was what was the thing before word works you remember microsoft works i think it's known works so it's got like two stalks for a tree and then it's got like stars on top of the stalks where the uh, where the leaves would be so that's badger travel for them god bless them 96 the high street if they're still there um and it's a letter confirming everything i actually have a folder somewhere which actually has everything in it you know all the um all the various tickets and things so what did i do where did it go and how did i get there so um i purchased a plane ticket, and it was an uh, Air India, Air uh, India, uh, open-ended, um, uh, one-year ticket. So, um, I, I but what I had to do was I had to um, book an outward and return, but I could change the return uh, when I wanted to for the period of you know a whole year from the from the um, the first day that I purchased it. So I was gonna depart at one o'clock on the 20th of September, 1988. And I was gonna come back <clears throat> on the 22nd of November, 1988, which is in fact what I ended up doing. So I was, I was out there for about three months. So now you, you like the price of this flight. So this is Air India, um, London to JFK in New York, return 229 pounds, bargain. <laughs> Um, and that was uh, including, you know, um, luggage and everything. So at that time, that was brilliant. Or paid tax as well, lash insurance. I also bought, um, which was a recommended, I remember reading one of these um, travel guide books uh, to, uh, you know, what, what, what to do, how to get across America. Because obviously I was flying to New York. I couldn't afford the flight to Los Angeles. So <clears throat> I did the pioneering thing, took the flight to New York, and got the Greyhound bus. <laughs> Uh, three days on a greyhound bus <laughs> i'm tell- I am telling you that was an adventure <laughs> and three days coming back it wasn't as great as an adventure but the, the the trip across was pretty cool and that's what i'm going to go through on this uh on this podcast today, so I also purchased a two week uh, what they called a merry pass which is um uh, a greyhound bus ticket thing which is yeah basically the driver had to stamp it all the time and click it all the time so that you could see how many days you'd used in one week It was a pretty stupid system because it was so easily uh you know uh, walked around and, and you could but, uh, and with some of the bus drivers i just said i've got one of these do you want to click it and he goes nah nah and then you just get on the bus so that means you got another free day hurrah And <laughs> um, so yes so i got a two day and merry pass for 65 pounds so altogether my return flight tax insurance and a merry pass 468 pounds 468 pounds for a round trip from um london to uh los angeles flight to new york and then round trip on greyhound bus bargain couldn't get that nowadays done by the delectable debbie dobbin that's a name, <laughs> it's got it down here at the bottom. Uh, Your sincerely Badger you Travel, Debbie Dobbin, Senior Travel Consultant. So Debbie, if you're listening, <laughs> thank you very much. I'm just wondering, what are you doing now, Debbie? Have you retired now? Oh, I-, I don't know. Anyway, um, let's get on with the show, Air India. Um, I never like being critical about things because you never know who's listening, like <laughs> Air India, for example. And I can only presume that there was real problems on this day and that standards have improved dramatically. Um, but this flight had come from uh, New Delhi and had stopped over in London. Uh, it was meant to be cleaned and, you know, refurbished, not refurbished, <laughs> what it could have been doing with the refurbished, but uh, cleaned and all stocked up again. And then it was to set off to New York. Well, it almost got there. Um, I got on the plane and uh one of the toilet doors is broken so one of the toilets didn't work <laughs> that's you know quite a basic thing when you when you're in flight because you you can't like go to another part of the bus station or somewhere like that or use the toilet or go into a bar or a hotel and use a toilet in there. You, you're kind of like on a plane so um when one toilet's out of use that could be i don't know you know 25 percent of the pooing places that you can't go to just thought while you're on an Air India plane and of course um, you know the bulk of the passengers uh, were um, eating curry that's without a doubt and and the place just um, smelled badly of curry now I don't mind curry but I do mind it when I'm on a six hour flight or something and that's everything that's coming through the air conditioning all the time so it was a bit heavy going as it were for a flight but other than that Air India was pretty good now, <clears throat> I'd been told that um, in order to get through uh, customs, because at that time we still had to get uh, visas. I think uh, there wasn't none of this Esther nonsense that we have nowadays. So, so I had to get um, a, a travel visa. Um, so when I got to New York, I had to be, you know, go through immigration and, uh, and and sort of be questioned and everything about what I was doing, where I was going, and that kind of thing. Now, bearing in mind that the the bulk of the passengers on the plane uh, were Indian. On an Air India flight, so there's a good chance that they are who they are, and it, that was pretty evident. That when we got to New York, um, all the passengers who were Indians were just, um, you know, whizzed through, not a problem. Of course, I was dressed, I was dressed, um, well, quite conservatively. I was told to wear like a jacket and trousers, you know, a smart casual, so that I didn't draw attention to myself. <laughs> Do you know what? I couldn't have drawn more attention to myself if I painted a big red. You know, tit on the top of my head. <laughs> so, so the guy pulls us over, and uh, the immigration guy, and he starts to question me. And it was like, a... and he never looked at me at all. He was just looking at the passport, and he was asking me all these questions. Uh huh. I see. Where are you going? Where are you staying? What are you doing? Um, have you got money to support yourself? That kind of thing. And I told him I was going out to California and I showed him the, uh, you know, the, the bus ticket and everything It's not actually true. I didn't have a bus ticket. I only had the pass. I hadn't actually booked any ticket at all Um, and uh, it was only at the final bit. He actually looked me up and down <laughs> And then he stamped three months <laughs> So I think it was I think it was the bare minimum of uh, of visa that you could have so so he stamped three months in the passport And that was me. <clears throat> so I managed to get out. Um, I managed to get out of the the airport. Now, at this point, I was actually uh, winging it because I hadn't any idea about what I was going to do in New York. I didn't know where I was going to stay, how long I was going to stay there for. Um, And it was really dependent on sort of what I felt like and what I wanted to get up to. And also money had a bit of an issue to do with it as well. I wasn't exactly loaded, you know. I think probably the jacket and trousers was probably worth more than all the rest of the money that I had on me. (laughs) So there was a place called... um, at megan's it was called one of these hotel booking services that was in the um in the airport, and so I went to there and uh, I said to the lady behind the counter, Hello lady behind the counter no, i didn't say that i said hi <laughs> hello i'm english <laughs> um I w- and I was uh, getting a bus from the port Authority bus station in new york we'll We'll come back to that in a minute for for those of you who have been to the port Authority bus station in New York you'll you'll know what i say when i go <laughs> um so i said i, I want to stay in a hotel near there can you put me in a hotel near there so she said um whatever she said but anyway she so she booked me in this hotel uh, the hotel president as i believe it was called and it's somewhere um uh, somewhere near just around the corner in fact from the port authority bus station and it was uh i didn't actually know that until um I went, sorry, I'm just turning over my notes here. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I've got tons of paper on the desk here and I would literally written, what, what before I started doing this podcast all I had was the photograph album and uh, and I had written lots of notes in the photograph album and then I'd done some little like uh, show notes, you know, for, for what I was going to talk about and I kept thinking in the back of my head, do you know I've written all this down somewhere, I know I've written all this down. So I went digging in the archives, I have a box in the cupboard, everybody's got a box in the tub- cupboard haven't we, I mean us guys generally have a box in the cupboard with stuffing like really important stuff um, that way you know it's only ever going to be useful once in your life well this is it <laughs> so I found in there a folder and in the folder uh, i had actually written the whole journey not only had I written the whole journey I had copies of letters that I'd written to people and it's on various bits of paper um and you know a lot of it is, uh you know this yellow legal notepad stuff that you have in the states it's weird size it's not A4 size it's uh, you know as as we have it's um it's just weird size so I've got lots of that and and, uh, and bits and bits and things on scrap paper in fact and let, let me go back let me go back. Uh, before the so-so, I'm in America now, and I've booked a, I booked a hotel to go to the um uh, the hotel president, but let me go back to uh, Terminal 3 in Heathrow. So this is um, Tuesday the 20th of September, at quarter to 12, that's midday. I know this because I've written it down here. This was actually not in the diary, this was a separate piece of paper, but it was, it was so funny that at the time that I obviously thought it was worthwhile writing down. So it was worthwhile, and here's what I wrote. So it's about half an hour to boarding. And there's an American couple, an American couple on the next table, looking at a whole map of Great Britain. And and the husband says, "Eh, I think we went to Coventry, didn't we? And the wife says, no, it was something else. And he goes, yeah, yeah, here it is. Coventry's in Scotland. And the wife says, no, no, it's in London. <laughs> and the guy goes, it's here in Scotland. And the wife says, Yeah, they must have one in London as well. It's where all those kids were drinking the other night. Of course, they were talking about Covent Garden, weren't they? Not Coventry. <laughs> I just thought that was brilliant anyway, so i thought i thought to myself is this the shape of things to come because the only other american that i'd known was uh was paul my friend paul so the fact that the the next contact was um these two bright young things in the airport trying to work out if coventry was in scotland <laughs> coventry is in fact a city it's not in scotland it's in england as well but Anyway, so um, we get into your plane, we get to New York, I'm in the bus station, i booked a hotel. Uh, and then I got a bus uh, from the airport to the Port Authority bus station. And it's, uh, now if you've, if you've not been there before, and let's face it, most of you won't have, um, it's massive. I mean, it's a big place. Uh, there's, there's massive exits everywhere. Um, I think there's about 10 exits or something. And uh, although I've been given like a a little scrappy bit of paper map kind of thing by um, this lady at uh, at Megan's at the airport, I did not have a clue. And also I was jet lagged as well. I'd never had jet lag before. Never really um you know understood what it was all about apart from the fact that i was extremely knackered i was tired i was hungry and um i just wanted someone to sort it all out for me (laughs) well as it happens as you know in the port authority bus station there are lots of gentlemen who are quite happy to help you out who are not authorized by the bus station to do so and in fact there are several signs all over the bus station saying uh, you know don't uh, stop and t- take the information from these people, don't let these people guide you at the bus station, something like that, there's big signs everywhere. Um, and this guy, <laughs> this guy, actually, he approached me once and I said no, because he was actually standing under one of the signs that says, you know, don't don't approach these people. Well, I thought, this, you know, it's a great business tactic to actually stand under the sign that says, don't approach these people. Anyway, after about half an hour of me literally, I, I would walk out at one door and then come back in again, uh, thinking, "No, this is the wrong direction." And I was trundling. My, my my case was heavy. I mean, I didn't know how how long I was going to be in America, what I was going to do, or anything. So I had this big, massive case full of stuff, uh, small little rucksack on, carry a bag full of nonsense, whatever. And uh, I was getting really tired. So um, I bumped into the guy again. <laughs> and I uh, told him I was wanted to stay at this hotel president. It's just around the corner, about two blocks or something somewhere. I'd, I wasn't. I didn't really know. And uh, he said, "Yeah, yeah, I, I can take you there uh, for seven dollars." Now I don't know what the you know the rate was for that kind of thing. Sorry, it's orange juice again. I don't know what the rate was for that kind of thing in 1988, but I figured for seven dollars, you know what the hell. Uh, otherwise, I'm just going to get more tired and more frustrated. So fair enough. Um, he did take us around the corner, and we found, uh, it, and it was literally about two two blocks away. I mean, it's a long walk. I mean, you know what? Uh, you see, do you remember Cash Cab? That that um, that uh, quiz series, Cash Cab, and he would always pick somebody up, and uh, then he would say, "Oh yes, and it's uh, you know forty-five blocks, and you know we we'll start off with his questions. Fifty dollars are the easy ones, and then blah, blah, blah. Um, and he used to think, how how long is a block? you know, really? How long is a block? Because obviously the cash cap program's edited, but um, so you never get a sort of real time uh, or, or only, uh, you know, oh, and you know, a red light challenge. Well, I never had any red light challenges, um, but blocks are a long way when you're dragging a suitcase with you. That's all I can say. So we, we went about two blocks and we got around to the hotel president and uh, it was an interesting place. And it was, um, it was run by Indians. And uh, strangely enough, um, they they weren't uh, they weren't the red Indian variety. They were the Indian subcontinent variety. So um, basically, I'd been on an air India flight. Now I'm staying in an Indian hotel in New York. How how cool is that? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> maybe 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 somebody could tell me that. Is that like synchronicity? I mean, what's going on there? Is it like payback or something for me thinking, getting off the plane? Because obviously, the woman at Megan's wasn't Indian. You know, but she might have been on some kind of deal with the hotel president to send, you know, dodgy looking people there or anybody who'd come off an Air India flight. I don't know. Anyway, so yeah, so the hotel the hotel president. Uh I remember interesting things about it. One of the interesting things was that it had an absolutely shit TV. <laughs> it had a TV that had about two channels on it and you know it's the sort of thing that if you squinted they both looked like abraham lincoln you, you couldn't really see anything they, they weren't really sort of like um uh you know i was looking forward to like great american tv because the only american you know we see american tv programs in england at that time you know back in 1988 and it would have been like um mash and things like that um interestingly enough uh, when we were over in uh, being Irish and we used to go over on holiday in Ireland many many years ago, I'm talking about sort of 1968 69. And uh, we used to sit, and there used to be a lot of American TV on the on the two Irish channels that they had, and uh, MASH was one of them. And uh, they used to have the uh, the laughter track because in the UK, when when they, when they screened MASH, they didn't have um, the laughter track on it, or did they? You know, I can't remember which way, which way around is it. Uh, No, they don't have the laughter track on it in the UK, but then they, uh, in the original series when they showed it, but then in Ireland, they they showed it with the the laughter track on. And it really kind of like diminishes some of the scenes in MASH, I think, with the laughter track, if you've not heard it without it. Anyway, so... I couldn't see even Mash on that TV in the hotel, President. I was, I'm not. I'm not going to say it too many times. The name of the hotel, in case it's either, you know collapsed, been pulled down, or it is now owned by somebody else, and um, I, I don't want to get myself into trouble with them. Um, but so no, they'll probably fix the TV by now. Let's be honest, you know. Um, <laughs> I noticed that it also had um, a safe. It, the guy was the guy was quick behind the desk to tell me that it had a safe, which should at seven pm. Not quite sure what the relevance of that was yeah uh, you know so as he's saying that you can have a room in my hotel but really it's actually pretty dodgy you better put all your valuables in the safe because we lock it up at seven o'clock then we bugger off <laughs> i don't know i, I don't know why it was that and also the cafeteria um uh, closed there as well but as one of the uh as, as there was a guy in the lift um as was going up uh, to my uh to my room and he said for 75 dollars a night he says yeah it's not bad for the location I wouldn't know. Uh, know, $75 for a hotel uh, in New York um, for a night, I suppose so. Bed and breakfast, I presumed. Uh, I presumed wrongly, it was actually only bed. (laughs) There was no breakfast. So I went out. I dumped all my stuff and I thought, New York, New York, it's a wonderful town. The people throw a hole in the ground. Uh, let's go out and have a look. <laughs> but I wasn't going to go too far because I was really tired. I mean, I was really, really quite tired. <clears throat> so uh, apparently, it was just around the corner again, another block or something from um, Times Square. Uh, I may have all this all this wrong in my head because I haven't got a, a New York map in front of me but as far as I can remember the Port Authority bus station was about a couple of blocks to the hotel and the hotel was literally around the corner from Times Square and I remember um, walking out of Times Square and uh, Cats were still playing <whistles> you know, the, the Lloyd Webber you know, carry on and you know all kinds of uh, big flashy lights and everything and people looking around looking at me oh hey look at this and then getting the wallet stolen while they were watching that kind of thing it was great <clears throat> so I remember looking at all of that and there was a pizza place just next door to the um to the Winter Garden Theatre and uh, I thought oh my god New York pizza I've heard nothing at all about it ever in any movie but let's go and get some <laughs> so headed over to there and um could have been cats that were on the pizza I don't really know but um it was really nice though and it was it was like full of all the all the stuff now which is bad for me which is probably bad for me then but I just didn't know about it so you know sugar and salt and fat and grease and bring it on bring it on and whatever it was a dollar a slice or something stupid like that I don't really know um so yeah so I had some of that and uh, I thought, well, what else can I do? You know, it, it, the, the night is still young. I'm still standing. So let, let's have a wander on Times Square. And down the edge of uh, Times Square at that time, uh, on, on the sidewalk, there were these guys that were, um, they had uh, chess boards and backgammon boards. And you could uh, rent a board off them for a dollar. And you could play a game of chess or backgammon with them and and i thought that's a cool idea that's really good so so bearing in mind i i think to myself as i'm a reasonable backgammon player let's rent a board with this guy and, and we'll have a game of backgammon so uh <laughs> we, i'm laughing i'm laughing now but it was it was quite, quite sort of hectic at the time so we started this game of backgammon and um he was rubbish i mean he was just like rubbish i mean i, I don't know what kind of quality of player that he expected to sit down in front of him but i was taking him to the cleaners it was pretty obvious that he was just some kind of rogue guy who was going to take money off people so as we got not quite even halfway through a game that was clearly going to win um he just started to cheat (laughs) he just started to move stuff on the board or or he'd or he'd throw the dice and he'd just move thing you know move the wrong number of moves and i was looking at it and i was thinking there was nobody else around and i was just looking at the board thinking he's just like so I don't know I don't know what came over me was it was it my honesty was it my um was my disbelief I just says to him you're cheating You, you you can't do that well my god You'd you'd think it was the American Revolution all over again. He just got up from the table. Yeah, you call me a cheat. And then he turns around to one of his friends and he goes, "Hey, this guy's calling me a cheat." So his friend gets up. Goes, yeah, you call me. You you can't call. You can't come here. You... So uh, for a minute, I was like so shocked, and I thought, "Fucking hell, what's going on here?" So <laughs> so I, I I I scraped my chair backwards and I got up and I said, "Look, mate, for a dollar you can fucking keep it." <laughs> and and then I just like wandered off pretty quickly. I couldn't believe it (laughs) so yeah that that was like uh, you know so I thought to myself are these Americans I mean is this what it's like (laughs) this is 1988 now so you know it's not um um (laughs) I should you know I I don't know what it was like in 1988 really I know that it was the year that you had the summer olympics um you were the only country to bid for it apparently (laughs) so you got it so I don't know whether that was a good thing um but I thought to myself, right, okay, so tomorrow morning, it, was, it wasn't actually tomorrow morning, it was gonna be quite late on in the day, uh, uh, that I was gonna get the uh, my Greyhound bus uh, across across America. So I decided that uh, I didn't wanna miss anything, anything at all, I wanted to be awake for, for three days. <laughs> I wanted to be awake for three days. So what does a boy do when he wants to stay awake for three days on a bus? Well no, I didn't know any dealers, so I, I went to this um late night pharmacy, uh which was across the road from the hotel, and they had these um caffeine tablets. I mean, like they were like super pro plus pro plus with an 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 enormous amount of caffeine in them. Um guaranteed to, you know, keep you awake through for exam studying and that kind of thing, and, and definitely guaranteed to keep you awake on a bus. So uh, I didn't take them that night because I wanted a good night's sleep. So I um I, I bought like shit. No, I can't remember how much. A lot of them, and uh, and I, and I took them with me because uh, I was just I was going to take more than what was guaranteed because I, I literally didn't want to miss a thing. So I went back to the hotel room, and I've got one of my uh, my first photographs that I took in New York and it's it it is actually as i've classified it a a sad study on the new york skyline because i couldn't see a thing really i could see with my eye what was going on and what was going on was uh, above the um uh, above the pharmacy was a, was a dance studio and so when i'm back in my room i'm looking out uh, of my hotel room um I, I, you see this image of um the pharmacy if you, do you remember um broadway danny rose you know the restaurant that they that they're eating. That you see it at the start of the movie, and I think at the end of the movie as well. And it's all red on the red on the front. I think it's closed now. I think it's only just closed this this restaurant, and uh, it's all red on the front, and it's all very colourful and lights and everything. Um, well, that was how the pharmacy looked like, and then above it there was these massive, huge windows of a dance studio, uh, and in there there were there was, there was a ballet class going on, and I just thought the it was just so strange. You know that um, uh, the 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 juxtaposition, do you like that, do you like that? I, I don't know what it means, but I thought I'd throw it in, juxtaposition. Uh, the, the, whole, the whole idea of, there we have this classical ballet dance going on there. They've got people selling Pro Plus tablets down below them. They've got guys who are, <laughs> will beat you up for a dollar when you <laughs> accuse them of cheating. Um, and it was just like, it was. I thought, if I can just capture this in a photograph, that would be really cool, uh, but I didn't. So, so basically, I've got this picture and um, you can see um, office blocks, the shape of office blocks. And and you can see about three red lights is that it yeah that's it that's it you you can't actually see anything so i've described what i saw and um, it was really cool and I, I was sort of it made it made up for the for, for the uh, for the for the assault <laughs> uh, earlier on the, earlier on that evening so yeah so that was me arriving in new york and uh, i stayed the night and then the following day i was to get on a bus but that will be in fact Uh, Chapter two, because this is actually the end of chapter one. Did I say it was chapter one? I'm telling you now. That's chapter one of The Great American Adventure.
1: Mm.
0: Chapter two of the Great American Adventure. <laughs> For those of you who are still awake and are keeping track of where I am, I was staying in the President Hotel in New York, just around the corner from the uh, Times Square and um, the incidents with the men with the um, uh, with the background boards. So, yeah, if you remember, there was no breakfast included in the President Hotel, so I had to go and get something to eat. So I believe I um, I... I took the bus to the uh, Port Authority bus station, or maybe I didn't actually, no, no, no. I I went around the corner to try to find somewhere, something to eat, something for breakfast. And I, I believe in one of these guides, uh, the, I had been recommended to go to a place called Lindy's. Now I think there's a the, a chain of Lindy's um, cafeteria places across America, but, uh, but this one was in, uh, this was in New York, just around the corner from where I was staying and i remember it really well because it had huge windows uh it had the um uh, the smell of coffee when you went in um and there was a guy uh he, i know his name was mike this new york policeman uh and he was at the uh, he was at the counter um having his having his breakfast his pancakes and donuts or whatever and uh, and the, the lady behind the counter, the, the waitress, Hey, man, can you, you got enough? blah de blah, blah blah you know. And that was my... and So it's just like the Hill Street Blues, as I me mean. It was just like watching Kojak, you know, but being in it. That's <laughs> quite funny. So I sat down at the table, and this is this is the this is God's honest truth. This is what happened. So I'm looking at the menu, right, and and the lady comes over. And um, I was looking at the eggs, and she says to me, oh, yeah, I wanted, it like, a fried breakfast, like trying to get a typical English fried breakfast, but, you know, put, put, putting it together with things that were on the menu. An unusual thing for us Brits at that time, because we just would point at something and say we have that, whereas you had, like, options. I was like, options? Fucking just give me breakfast? And then I said, I've, uh, I'll have eggs. <laughs> and she said to me, do you want your eggs over? And I said, over what? <laughs> Over what? <laughs> and she looked at me like like what? <laughs> and and she said uh, yeah no and then she described what she meant. I said oh yes yes I'll have them over yeah yeah <laughs> over what? Oh my god! I don't know whether I don't know whether that made her dear, but she went off muttering to herself like uh, she, you know she'd just been talking to some kind of like a weird strange person. And in fact, she was talking to some weird strange person. So before I left New York, um, I went and uh, visited a friend of my brother's. One of my brothers uh, had worked in New York uh, a couple of years before then, and a friend of his lived in um, this uh, apartment block uh, in, in Uptown Manhattan. Uptown Manhattan, right? So... Uh, the only way to get there, uh, I, I was not about to do buses, you know, I just thought I'll get a taxi um, yeah, it was really expensive as well as it turned out uh, but I thought I'd get a taxi and uh, the taxi up there was completely uh, uneventful, I uh, went, went to see my brother's friend and it was so security orientated there was like, uh, you know, it was it was a security code, she had to tell me security code to get in the building then I had to get past a guard and then there was another code and then she lived on like the um, the billionth floor somewhere in the sky um where where you know i went to look out of her and it was like double thick like reinforced windows like you know, the bulletproof or something you know went to look out the windows and there was a city down there and they, and they all looked like ants it could have been ants on the window i don't know but they all looked like ants and um that was a nice little visit to go and see her and then coming back again i uh she phoned uh, me a taxi so uh, again, you had to make sure to stay in the m um, the the armor plated lobby until the taxi turned up and then uh, you know went outside and this is this is the one that i remember and uh, and this guy was from uh haiti haiti uh, the island nation that had the um uh, you know the the, the 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 tidal waves and the storm and everything uh, in the, in the last couple of years but he was from Haiti uh didn't didn't really speak a lot of english apart from the fact to tell me he was from Haiti and he had like um now it could have been just tourist stuff it could have been his own personal voodoo gear but he had it all along his dashboard and hanging around the cabs hanging around the cab you know like skulls and beads and things like that and and, and all and all things voodoo related and and sadly he had some medical issues as well and and the, and the cab absolutely stank i mean it just stank it was stomach turning um so uh, I was trying to open a window to do the window down. But but again, just like these American movies, uh, the sewer gratings, you, you know, you see them, I think it's in the opening scenes of, is it Hill Street Blues or Kojak or something, where, where you see the sewer gratings and you see all like the, well, I say steam, innocently it would be steam, but clearly it isn't. It's like sewerage effluent stuff coming out. So I'm opening the windows to try to get, and we, and we come to a red light challenge, you know, we come to a red light. And uh, so we're over a sewer grating, so I've tried, to open the window to get rid of the smell of this poor man's digestive system from the cab and there's all this shit coming up from the sewer grating as well and i was thinking i don't need this you know i've got a big journey ahead of me <laughs> so we get back to the hotel i check out and um i go back to the port authority bus station um i've got my ticket booked to go on the uh quarter was it um 1845 Eastern Standard Time on Wednesday, the 21st of September 1988, uh, on the Greyhound bus. Um, now, it's going the uh, what they call the northern route, and um, I've got a they, they give you like the they used to give you various things and uh, you know a, a little trace of the map to show you where you're going. And there's also like a map which uh, worked out the um, the hours between the major cities. So uh, I just looked at this the other day, and I was going to work it out. Did I actually was I actually on this bus for three days? And I was because the the travelling time between uh, the major cities on the northern route, the way I went over, so uh, it was New York to Philadelphia was about two hours. Um, of course, these times may have changed dramatically now. Uh, you know, maybe faster buses or maybe they've changed the routes. Um, but it worked out this way when I was there. So New York to Philadelphia was two hours. Uh, Philadelphia to Pittsburgh was six and a half hours Uh, Pittsburgh to Cleveland was three hours Uh, Cleveland to Chicago, seven and a half hours Uh, Chicago to Omaha was eleven and a half hours Uh, Omaha to Cheyenne, twelve hours These sound very long, don't they? Uh, Cheyenne to Salt Lake City was ten hours Uh, Salt Lake City to Reno was eleven and a half hours and Reno to Los Angeles was twelve hours So I added all that up, and that's 75 hours. And three days is 72 hours plus three hours. So, yeah, that was about right. So I did actually spend three days on a bus. (laughs) you should try it honestly if nobody's done this yet do people do this anymore i mean do people do this pioneering thing and and uh, particularly on the greyhound bus because you you can Amtrak, but you look at the big trains and that and you're getting on this big sort of cylindrical um you know massive aluminium train thing and you're off the ground and it's lovely and it's air-conditioned and i'll get back to air conditioning (laughs) and it's lovely and it's air-conditioned and it's clean and it's safe um but that's not great american adventure is it sure I, I would have liked to have hitchhiked it i just i didn't have the money really because it's actually quite expensive to hitchhike when you're staying a place to place and buying food along the way so i kind of budgeted just for the bus and and money to spend on the bus but if i hope people still do the greyhound bus thing because I, I can highly recommend it and keep a diary uh, because um because <laughs> some of the people that you meet and the things that you get up to and the things that you see uh, are, are just amazing particularly if you've not been to america before which i would never been to america before and and i think one of the things um that surprised me the most or that amazed me the most and this is going to sound pretty silly but um it's so big <laughs> it is just so big now you know bearing in mind that i come from uh little old england and i say little old england you know i don't know what the comparative size of you can probably fit england in most states or something like that you know uh and 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 the roadways over here in england uh, they are fairly tight um you know uh, in, in terms of um between uh, you you can, you can drive from one side of the country to the other in about 5 hours at the, at its biggest distance and sort of 7 hours or something you know end to it, end it it's not big you know in, in terms of driving distance and and the land is premium so where you've got um uh, motorways and you've got slip roads and exit roads leaving them they're very short they're very quick um there's no great sort of wondering about where you're going to go you can see where you're going to go but we were in um where, where were we up uh where were we up to somewhere we were in uh pennsylvania that's right yeah can't remember the name of the road uh some highway where is it on it's, it was near anyway it was it was coming up to the bald eagle plaza in pennsylvania so ooh. ooh um big big up to um <laughs> big up what are we talking about so so big up to the uh, current workers and owners of the bald eagle plaza in pennsylvania if indeed it still exists um, because it was it was dark we I mean the bus set off at a quarter to 7 on the evening and we were heading up that way and it was uh and I think we'd already changed buses about three times already. Uh, there'd been problems with the buses, but we got up to the Bald Eagle Plaza. And the thing was is that, uh, there was the, you know, here's the road and you see a sign for Bald Eagle Plaza and you see the start of the exit road. And then it just like bent. I remember this distinctly. It just went off into the distance. It just bent around and around and around. And you're just thinking, this is going to Oz. You know, this is not going to the Bald Eagle Plaza. This is going to some sort of fantasy land somewhere. We're going to, to, there'll be a rip in the fabric of the space-time continuum. We'll end up on some planet in some far distant galaxy. Because it just seemed to go forever. And I was thinking to myself, you know, you could have built a small town in England on the amount of land that this this, um, exit road took. So eventually, the bus just made it to the Bald Eagle Plaza and then broke down. So I've got this picture. It's my second picture. I think I was in the same situation of um, not having a digital camera in 1988. So I've got like a a point and press thing. Um, So I've got the second picture. And uh, the picture is of, uh, there was a girl there called Vicky. Um, She was from Leicester University. So uh, I was sitting next to her on the bus when we left New York because she was English, I was English, and we needed somebody to talk to that we could understand. So, <laughs> so, uh, so we sat together and there's a dude, I actually just called him Dude, cause he was a dude, uh, dressed like a dude, sitting, sitting and this is in the uh, Bald Eagle Plaza, so he's sitting next to her. And there's a guy on the left, uh, a lumberjack shirt and um so, so this is this is the the look now so this is the look so he's got the lumberjack shirt that's opened down to the chest a t-shirt on underneath denim jeans shit kicker brown boots and baseball cap um so when he spoke like he was an extra from the dukes of hazard you wouldn't be surprised would you dressed like that and I've got this picture and this guy's sitting two seats away from Vicky and the dude and he's looking across to her and he's saying something to her and she's looking directly at me thinking, Help <laughs> It was a great picture. You knew and exactly what was going on. That's quite good. So eventually, um oh yeah, the pet pills, the pep. I've got here written in my diary pet pills. They weren't really pet pills, were these um caffeine tablets. Well, um they start to kick in. <laughs> And it was like the first one was like, "bon doo 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 doo." I believe I said um, it gave me an instant high for a few seconds. All <laughs> yes. So um, they were kicking in. So I was not going to sleep that night. In fact, I didn't actually sleep for um, for any of the journey, and uh, just I'll, I'll just jump ahead to, to get to Los Angeles. I actually spent three days on my friend's uh, sofa sleeping for three days, (laughs) just to get over taking all these pep pills, all these caffeine tablets. So anyway, so we're back at the Bald Eagle Plaza. Uh, We get on the bus and um, off it goes. Uh, It didn't get very far. Uh, In fact, we were at the Bald Eagle Plaza for hours. So it wasn't until um, the uh, early next morning that uh, that we got on another bus. And if we look at the times, where were we? Uh, So it must have been, because we ended up in Chicago. Wait a minute. So that has so that must have been two, eight, nine, ten, eleven, and then another seven and a half. Hours. So eighteen and a half hours. So let's just say not eighteen and a half hours. Let's just say it was about um sixteen hours later. So we got to Chicago, and uh, we changed buses in Chicago. I didn't see much of Chicago. It was um it was just there. It was the bus station. Our bus set off, and almost straight away the air conditioning broke down now uh, this was uh, august was it no it was september so september 1988 if you remember september 1988 it was a hot summer um and uh, without any air conditioning quite frankly on a bus with lots of smelly people that you didn't know you were going to die weren't you with no air conditioning so the bus had to pull over uh, pretty quickly. Uh, we, we were literally driving out of the suburbs, okay? So um, if it if had it broken down in the city and we managed to pull into a proper designated bus station that had lights and was reasonably safe and had security, everything would be great. Uh, but no, no, we got into some of the suburbs of uh, South Chicago. And um, <sighs> yeah, so do you remember Assault on Precinct 13? Yeah, do you remember that movie? Uh, not the remake, but the original one, which is much better, assault on precinct thirteen, and um, they were they were trapped inside the uh, abandoned police station, and there was people shooting at them left, right, and centre. Well, this is effectively what happened to us. It wasn't an abandoned police station, but it was an abandoned school. The bus had to pull into the schoolyard. We had to like break the gate open, get into the schoolyard, and pull up by the school building. And the driver went back and closed the gate in some vain attempt to stop the marauding masses, you know, coming in and robbing us all and he told us all to stay by the bus Jesus <laughs> you know. and it was in a real dodgy area I mean this was not a safe place to be and I think we were there for about another couple of hours um, they didn't even bother to try to uh, fix the air conditioning uh, they just sent a replacement bus and uh, I've got, a, a two, uh, got two more photographs that I took there um, yeah 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 I, I quoted the Blues Brothers you know we're 106 miles from Chicago full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes uh, blah 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 but we were actually 10 miles from Chicago, a full tank of gas, half a coach load of people. It's daytime and the air conditioning's broken. <laughs> and I was, I was, um, this is a picture of me stood. God, I, I looked thin then. And I had hair, and it was black hair as well. Blimey. And um, I just, I'm wearing cord. You, you can't believe the does that really look like? I'm wearing coordinated clothing. So I've got um, like white sneakers on, I've got these like light gray. Now light gray is something I would never have worn in the UK, it was, you know, when you're brought up as a little boy, it's blue jeans or nothing else, you know. If you started to wear black or wear gray, you know, you, you they got the priest in basically, there's something wrong with you, you know. <laughs> so I'm wearing these light gray jeans, black belt a light gray shirt opened at the collar <laughs> oh my god and i'm leaning casually against the bus looking pissed off uh, because the bus is broken and the photograph was taken by who i called the man from omaha who you might imagine was from omaha and you'd be correct uh and i took a picture of him and he was a nice guy uh, he was one of the many um one of the many bus people that i chatted with um the bus people were quite uh were quite interesting. In fact, should we should we talk about the bus people? I'll have a drink of orange juice, and we'll talk about the bus people. So the bus people. So yeah, um, the man from Omaha. So these people got on and off at various different places. Um, so the man from Omaha, uh, he was uh, he was actually quite interesting. He was a very ordinary bloke, and um, he was travelling from New York, uh, going back home. He'd been working, uh, he'd been working a long way, and uh, he was going back home back to his family again and uh he was he, he, he was he was he was good to talk to so i've got photographs of people um because I, I sat basically towards the back of the bus because as you know uh the most colorful of people uh sit towards uh the back of the bus um uh i've got people's i, I can't give you people's full names here in fact some of them i didn't know there's one guy who uh, i was called his name was pete and uh, he was mexican so he was actually known as mexican pete <laughs> He was Mexican Pete, um, and you know we had a we had a brief conversation. Um, uh, <laughs> he'd been married twice and had been in prison twice. I, I don't I don't know if the two were connected. I don't know, um, and. Uh... <laughs> He was um, he he was dressed in like a what honestly looked like former prison clothing, uh, but with the arms cut off. So he had like blue uh, trousers on and a black belt and uh, a matching blue shirt. But he had the arms cut off. So I'm not quite sure whether you know the his second time in prison was just. Uh, curtailed by him escaping or something. I don't know, but he was on the bus and he was he was sitting towards the back of the bus. There's some couple of good uh, cool photos of him, uh, and you know, really curious about England and, that. and they, they used to call me English. Hey, English! I had a name. I told them it was Paul, but you know, I was just English to them. So hey, English, what you do, man? Um, and that kind of thing. There was a guy called uh, Dave Beep. His name wasn't Beep, but I'm not going to say what his surname was. Uh, he was from West Virginia. And um, he was very, um, uh, you know, conservative. Uh, he was very uh, uh, what you might call a Catholic in, in, in his approach to life. Very clean-cut, ordinary kind of guy. So um, I told him a lot of Catholic jokes, and, and he liked all those Catholic jokes. I'll just slip on in now, actually. <clears throat> so this guy uh, dies and goes to heaven. And he arrives at St. Peter's Gate, and St. Peter takes him in. And St. Peter, you know, has to give the guided tour to everybody who dies. And uh, he says, Look, um, we've got the people making the wings over there, and it's got all these, like, Thousands of visions of people going into the into the distance and they're making wings, you know, for all the angels and everything. And uh, the guy goes, oh yeah, that's interesting. Yeah? And then St. Peter says, well, if you if you look over there as well, um, we have um, all the people making the Bibles and the Quran and all the other, you know, religious books for everybody who comes to heaven. And the guy goes, oh, that's that's good, you kit of everybody. And you know, St. Peter says, yeah, yeah, you know, we ha- we have to, we have to. And then the guy notices a big, long wall going off into the distance, and loads of laughing coming from behind it. And he says to St. Peter, what's, what's going on behind there? And St. Peter, Peter says, oh, that's the Catholics. They think they're the only ones here. <laughs> Catholic joke okay so um yeah so Dave beep. He, he liked them and we and we did a trick as well uh when we got to um he got off at Salt Lake City and um we, we did a trick and I I he phoned up his girlfriend and then I pretended to be his butler <laughs> with uh um, hello yes is, is is that is that uh, is that Suzanne this is uh this is Mr Beeps uh butler here I'm just informing you that here uh, he's arrived at Salt Lake City <laughs> and really and that was that was the last thing that was the last thing that I actually said to him or said to her and because he got on the phone so that was kind of like a strange goodbye um but yeah there, but there is one person uh that i haven't talked about and uh we'll call her judy because that was her name <laughs>
2: about a royale akira and suicide club because american movies they are so dumb predominantly focused on big tits and guns but oh the passion of eastern european cinema the pathos and comedy of Emir Costa Rica. Some people say USA all the way. But I get down with Sylvie and Greenaway. Oh, I hate America. Oh, I hate America.
0: Let's talk about Judy. So... Judy was actually her first name. Uh, I won't tell her her second name. It's Beep. <laughs> She's not related to Dave Beep. <laughs> but Judy. So uh, so Judy was this um, 18-year-old uh, from Arkansas. And um, she got on the bus in Iowa, I remember. And it was sort of late in the afternoon. And she had... Uh, I, remember, I remember noticing... There's two things that I noticed. One was that her feet were wet and it hadn't been raining. I don't know what that was about. And she had no socks on. And uh, she was just dressed in, uh, not, you know, she wasn't dressed for the weather. Um, uh, she had uh, uh, just this pink flowered uh, Hawaiian uh, type shirt on, um, some very tight pink jeans, and some small brown leather boots. I've got this written down, by the way, this is not from memory. Um, and the boots were wet, and so were her feet. And she just had one small little uh, tunnel bag, you know, those um, elongated type bags. So she had one small tunnel bag. And uh, in it, right, in this in this tunnel bag, as cause we, we, she sat down next to us, so in this tunnel bag, all that she had was a photo album, okay, a pink flowered bed sheet, a couple of bits of toiletries, and she had some small uh, burnt down red candles and little glass tumblers. You know the kind that you would have in church, that you would, you know, pray, and you'd put uh, put some money in the thing and you'd light the candle those little candles in 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 a, in a church and she had uh, one or two uh, necklaces and that's all that she had so she had um no clothes she had no change of clothes uh, she had nothing um and so 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 that in itself was a, was a little bit peculiar you know i thought to myself that's a little bit odd and so she got she got talking, and she asked me loads of questions about um, English and people in England and stuff like that. And it was it was it was strange because it was like talking to a child. I mean, she was eighteen, but I mean, it was like talking to a uh, talking to a small child. Uh, you know, I tried to be funny. I tried to, I, I tried typically English sarcastic humor on her, but it just went <laughs> uh, straight over the top. Um, and <laughs> what did she say? What did they do for laughs? Uh, she's told me something about arkansas um and it's uh yeah it was it was just like um some like really silly things of of what they do for laughs in there uh and and it wasn't it wasn't funny it was just like oh is that what you do for laughs okay fair enough so she showed me a photo album um and one of the photos showed her uh, actually a picture of her um with a baby uh, from the previous year, and the photo of her in the in the previous year she was like a sort of plump looking with with dark black hair and in a nice dress and it was definitely like not the girl that was sitting in front of me i mean it was it it just wasn't it was just it looked really odd there was a massive difference between um her and uh uh, in the picture and her of the girl sitting in front of me and we got talking and I think the, you know, the bus rolled on going through Wyoming and heading towards Salt Lake City. And we got talking about various things and somewhere in the conversation, she just popped in and um, she said, you know, there's lots of devil worshiping goes on in Arkansas. And I just thought, what? And, you know, and she, and the thing was, is that when, when while we were talking before, uh, she never actually looked me in the eyes at all. She was that kind of like scatty person that would say things and look around the room or look away. She would never look you in the eyes at all. Um, but when she when she said that, she, that was the first time that she looked me in the eyes, and she said, "There's lots of devil worshiping going on in Arkansas," and I was like, "The hell!" And, and then the conversation just like stopped, uh, like stopped abruptly. Um, now, you know who who am I to have a vivid imagination, but clearly. Uh, clearly, um, I, I have and I did, and uh, it just began to play in my mind. Like, um, you know, there's this young woman, this young lady who obviously cares and likes the children, and you know, wouldn't leave a baby behind. I would have thought if she was coming on this big trip. She said she was going off to visit her sister and visit her grandma um, in California, and she had a a job lined up for her and all this stuff. It all it all sounded a little bit. Um, Uh, pie in the sky so um, I I, I sort of plumped up enough courage and tried to word it in such a fashion um, that I wasn't um, you know sounding intrusive or anything so I said to her uh, so I just came right out and I said to her "So, so where's your baby now and she just went dead not she's died just like dead and there was no other explanation and again this was and this was several hours earlier uh, sorry several hours later after she told me about the devil worshipping and this was again the only second time that she looked me in the eyes when when she said this and I was like I was like chilled I was like cold I, it was like uh, <laughs> you know uh, it, it was it was like this was a summer and we were on a bus and it was out in the middle of the the, the hot desert somewhere and she just told me something that was um, to be honest, uh, quite horrifying, um, and I didn't really know. I didn't really know a sort of like what to think about it or, or what or, you know what to make about it. Um, uh, so I kind of like you know stored it away, and I was thinking to myself, well, well you know what what's what's actually happened to this girl? You know, lots of different worshiping going on. She's just got church candles and strange necklaces and northern luggage, and you know her, her baby's like. Dead in her words, um, so we we stopped at um, we stopped for lunch at a place called Rawlins, Wyoming. McDonald's at Rawlins, Wyoming. If you've ever been there before, and she didn't get off um, uh, the bus to have a break, she went to use the bathroom, but um, but that was about it. And then I realised that she didn't have any money. She had no money. She somebody had bought her the bus ticket. I think her sister bought her the bus ticket. So um, I gave her some. I had some little biscuits in my bag from. Um, when uh, from the from the drugstore where I bought the uh, caffeine tablets, so she had them, and then I went back. Uh, and then I got back off the bus before the bus turned up, uh, you know, pulled away, and I got the, the McDonald's, and um, and gave her that as well. Uh, so uh, as the bus um travelled on across the country, uh, she did say that um, uh, she 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 uh, sat next to uh, other people uh, on the bus, and I remember this guy. Uh, this truck driver because uh, he saw that we'd been she'd been sitting next to me and uh, we got off the bus at one time and he says to me uh, he says you know your, your, your travelling companion is like a little weird you know she's got um, uh, she's got some really uh, some really bad uh, attitude problems Um, you know that she really needs, she really uh, uh, needs to get sorted out and I was just thinking I, so, so that kind of like uh, sort of verified to some degree um my thoughts about, you know, what had happened to this girl, what had happened to a baby, and the fact that she was like, you know, running away to something, or r- definitely running away from someone or or something, and then going, you know, nowhere really, um, because like a complete stranger had just kind of like, you know, sussed her up in a in a in about a two-hour conversation that she had, you know, really bad attitude, and that there was things wrong with her, so she came back. Sat down next to me again, and um, I lent her, I gave her a pair of socks because <laughs> she, I just thought I can't let the girl, you know, walk around without a pair of socks on. And she fell asleep, um, and it was, and she was off. You know, in in her mind, uh, she was going off to uh, to sunny California for a, um, uh, you know, for a, for for a new for a new start in life. Um, and again, uh, she, I, I think later on was that um, she brought this problem. Uh, the, the, this thing about um, the devil worshipping, and uh, she, for, for, I, totally unprompted, um, she, and, and again, you know, the, these occasions on the, the the two separate occasions where she had uh, looked me straight in the eye to, to tell me something. I, I, I think when she was wanting to tell you something uh, really important, that's when she only looked you in the eye, and she showed me her wrists. And uh, there were specific um, uh, gash marks, slash marks on her wrist—not random, but 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 done in a um, in a particular way. And it was a scary. Uh, <laughs> I have to say, it was scary. It was upsetting, and it was scary because um, I mean, sure enough, I mean, I, you know, I may well have been imagining everything that I was thinking. Um, but um, if I had to come to a conclusion, which I did do, and the conclusion was that you know something had happened to her baby in some devil worshipping thing in Arkansas, she legged it out of Arkansas, grabbed the small weird stuff that she had, you know, just the the photograph album, the 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 church candles in the bag. I mean, church candles and and weird, um, the weird necklaces, and and just a few toiletries, and nothing else. I mean, that's all she had uh it was just quite bizarre um and she was traveling to los angeles and we got off in los angeles and and uh she had to wait about 3 hours for her sister uh to come and uh, to come and pick her up um i told my friend uh paul about about her and he was like oh you don't want to get mixed up with these people and blah 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 um i was going to um uh, sort of catch up with her um in los angeles once i got settled uh, but then um, I sort of took the advice of of my friend Paul, and I I called her up and she, she'd me her sister's number. I called her up and just made some excuse like I was going back to England because was a my mother was sick or something like that, and uh, and th- and that was the end of it. So I just wonder, um, you know, was I right? I don't know. And how how did she get on? You know, did she uh, did she survive? I don't really know. Um, but yeah, so. Uh, yeah that was judy and then there was the lady whose name i can't remember um but she had a job she was a flagger and she uh, the bus actually stopped uh, out in the middle of the desert there was no town or anything and uh, and it stopped for her and she got on and uh, i got to talking to her and her job uh, she was a flagger and it was a it was a really interesting strange but interesting job so in the middle of the desert, where they're doing these um, road works out in the middle of nowhere, they have to give traffic uh, plenty of notice that the road works are gonna be occurring. So if you put like little cones or little lights or something, um, you know, where, where you got people who have been driving for hours and hours and hours, they're just not gonna notice that. So what they do is they hire people called flaggers, who, as you might imagine, stand there in the road waving flags to direct people you know over to one side and or off onto another road and her job uh, was a flagger and and it paid really well <laughs> i think it paid well for the job you know bigger basically there was a lot of danger money involved but uh but it paid really well and um that that was her thing and um she was uh had a husband and a couple of small kids and uh And she travelled not too far around the country, more or less within, you know, uh, x amount of distance from where she lived. But uh, but that was her job. She would be dropped off, uh, stand on the road with the flags, flagging people over, um, and then uh, and then later on the day be picked up again. Or in this instance, uh, she was off on her way home, and they must have some deal with uh, with Greyhound buses because uh, because the bus just stopped. And picked her up and and off we went as as if it was just a normal bus stop. and that uh, but yeah, she was she was a very nice lady, it was uh it was very, very 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 interesting conversation and very um insightful into a an unusual job. I mean that wouldn't happen in the UK, you know. The like I said, the road's too small. By the time you had somebody with a flag you would have run them down and be up the road works straight away. But um but no, that it was it was quite cool, yeah. So that's the end of chapter two um, about a little bit of the journey across and about the bus people that I met on the bus and we'll have chapter 3 chapter 3 will be the last part of part 1 of the Great American Adventure where I cover just a few of the sort of observations and things um, about um, about the journey and about the places uh, before we finally get to um, uh, LA sunny California Chapter three, chapter three of the great American adventure, part one. <laughs> so I've gone back through my uh, diaries and things and I've tried to, uh, pull out all the little sort of observations and things that I learned, um, I learned, did I learn anything? I don't know if I learned anything. Um, maybe I did, did I learn what I do it again? Yeah, I would do it again. Actually, <laughs> it's probably a lot quicker now, and 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 a lot more safer and a lot, and a lot less erratic. I would imagine. Uh, I'd like to think so. Anyway, you know, I think the number of um, bus breakdowns that we had going over, go, coming back across, um, when I came back across in November, I think everything went smoothly and all the changes were fine. But going over, I mean, uh, <laughs> the number of the number of times the buses broke down, particularly around Chicago, was ridiculous. Anyway. Um, so yeah, I've tried to put things in uh geographic and time timolo- timelological order. Timolological. I just made that word up. You can keep it if you like. So um yeah, so basically I started on the east coast, didn't I? And I went across to the west coast on what they call uh the northern route of the Greyhound, or at least that's what they called it then. I presume that the magnetic earth's crust things and hasn't changed that much, it's still in the north, so across the northern part of um uh, the USA. And uh, so i went from east to west so in that kind of order i've just pulled out things that i was doing at the time in for example um davenport i believe davenport is in iowa <laughs> is it in is it still here? Is uh, still in iowa it hasn't moved you haven't changed your boundaries or anything and I, I remember i was listening to they had this radio station there which is probably still there called kick it's basically k-i-i-k um and i think it was uh that had some a sort of groovy jingle like K I I K Davenport <laughs> in in a kind of a voice that was obviously higher than mine K I and it could have been a deeper voice like one of those you know real K I I K 104 Davenport oh, it was 104 wasn't it K I I K 104 Davenport anyway that was the radio station and they were doing this um I guess the intro competition um and it's clearly uh, it it wasn 't difficult it was when i 'm sixty four by the beatles doom do do do, do 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 you know when i'm sixty four by the beatles and uh, and for that i if i if i had phoned in <laughs> if i'd had a mobile phone mobile phones did we have them in nineteen eighty eight they're probably the size of uh, house bricks or something i I could have won uh, a meal for two in a deli in downtown Devonport uh but no only thing that happened at Davenport actually was uh, this girl called uh, Kristen got on the bus and that was her name so we'll call her Kristen (laughs) and uh, she was a student and uh, I I remember her well I didn't need any photographs Uh, she's an incredibly large girl um, and I'm not talking about a soccer player here Um, (laughs) and and, and also large teeth as well And, and she was just so pleasant it was it was kind of like refreshingly annoyingly strange and weird um but uh, she just wanted to know everything about england just like everything so uh, i think by the time she got out uh, which is about six or seven hours later somewhere else i was completely england out <laughs> as it were uh, just just talking so much about england all the time but uh yeah uh, i think oh, twenty-four 24 hours after leaving new york so we leave devonport and then um we're up to where are we now or oh, des moines des moines or oh, more in is, as you know, those who don't know how to say it would say it, Des Moines, Iowa. Um, I believe I've written something down here. Like my eyes felt like lumps of lead. Um, <laughs> that's because I'd taken some more of those. Taken more. I'd taken so many of these bloody, um, you know, caffeine tablets to keep awake, so that I, so that I wouldn't miss anything. And I wasn't missing anything. I was actually, uh, I was actually getting more than they bargained for. I was getting a headache. <laughs> mm. I do remember having a buzzing headache because you're basically like so full of caffeine. I probably had more caffeine in the space of 24 hours than I probably had in the last two months. Uh, so uh, yes, um, so even though I'd, I had my little uh, coat with me that I was gonna roll up in a pillow and uh, you know get a little nap every now and again, why, Cause I would have missed something. So that was, um yeah, so we went through Davenport, Des Moines, lots of pet pills, lots of eyes like lead shots. And uh, yeah, I think at that point, um I'd learned about this. There's a federal law, or there was a federal law, apparently, that um, only the back three seats of the bus could be used for smoking. Now this may well have changed uh, by this point, and it might be non-smoking altogether now, like you know, like it is on sort of airplanes and things like that. Uh, I've no idea, but uh, but at that time it was um, non-smoking at the back of the bus, and a little later on, actually, I'll, I'll, uh, when we crossed into Utah, I'll tell you, uh, tell you what I was told. It, it was an announcement on the bus. It was quite good. Uh, I wrote it all down because it was like <laughs> I was so impressed, um, you know, because it got directly to the point about smoking on the bus. So we, uh, in the photograph album, um, after sort of uh, Des Moines and Iowa and things like that, there was a massive gap um, in terms of sort of notes and things. Because I I didn't really, uh, I didn't have a lot of uh, film in the camera with me. I only had a small camera. So uh, I think I ended up being, yeah, 101 miles to Cheyenne, Wyoming. I was on Interstate 80, was it? Um, And I know at that time, uh, a friend of mine, Martin, back home, he'd given me, a cassette a cassette (laughs) this was still 1988 so he gave me um, a mixtape yeah Uh, a mixtape to listen to but it it wasn't just um, a mixtape of a jumbled load of songs so on on one side uh, was the the Pointer Sisters And jump because he was a Pointer Sisters fan. and so was I at the time. So there was lots of good. Uh, there's lots of, if you remember um, the Pointer Sisters and Jump and that album. There was lots of good tracks on there. Um, and on, and then on the other side, as a as a terribly alternative uh, wait for a laugh um, while travelling across the desert, uh, there was um, Derek and Clive come again. <laughs> I and mean, we talk about a comparison, Pointer Sisters, Derek and Clive. So Pointer Sisters you may know about, Derek and Clive uh, you might not know about. Um, Let me see, what's the best way? Derek and Clive were the alter egos of the fabulously amazing, talented Peter Cook and Dudley Moore. Um, so if you don't know who Peter Cook and Dudley Moore are, I can't help you there you're gonna to have to google it and find out yourself uh and if you don't know who Derek and Clive are I you know I just put your headphones on that's all I can say <laughs> so yeah so we were 101 miles to Cheyenne Wyoming and at that point I was I was listening uh, a combo between uh the Pointer Sisters and Derek and Clive because there was times uh on this uh on this bus journey when um I, I wasn't talking to anybody at all and, uh, n- and nobody would uh, talk to me <laughs> that sounds bad doesn't it nobody would talk to me but no it was just like it was like um it was like real life um just on a bus uh, you know families uh, you know people grow up and leave the house you know get another job move away uh, people don't talk to each other for a while and then people talk to each other for a while um and, and that, that it was like that so you, you'd sometimes spend lots of time talking with one person and then you would get off for a break and then they, they'd go and sit somewhere else uh or i'd go and sit somewhere else or, or or new people would get on and you didn't you couldn't reserve seats so you didn't get the same seat back again when you got back on the bus so um yeah it was a bit kind of choppy changey um as it, as it is with 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 family and friends but a lady um that got on where did she get on I think she got on in Des Moines actually Uh, she was going quite a distance I think she was going to Salt Lake City and she was telling me all kinds of things about uh, about the desert and about what was happening either side of the road she was saying that uh, on part of this uh, road that we were on this highway it was running parallel to the Santa Fe trail and she said that uh, wagon ruts can be seen by aerial photography amazing you know just like the way over in britain you can take a helicopter up and or a satellite into space and see like um, you know uh, roman forts and remains in the ground well apparently you can see wagon routes from the santa fe trail running through the desert and uh, and these tracks they actually pass through modern day cemeteries she said as they used to bury their dead on the way hmm and so i did learn something that was that was definitely one thing that i learned I'm just wondering if that's the same principle behind motorway service stations nowadays are, are people supposed to bury their dead there i don't know i, I maybe i'll check next time i go around the m25 and um you know figure out where i am in the, where i am in the world and you know check the back of the car park see if there's any dead bodies there there was an interesting little um as the journey was going along and i, and I think it was uh this time that we, when i was about you know x amount of miles about 75 miles from cheyenne in the panhandle of nebraska isn't that isn't that good? Uh, you have to look on the map to understand what that means. The panhandle of Nebraska. Because I've heard about it in like um, you know wild west movies, and when you're a kid in England and you, and you hear these geographic terms in America, the panhandle of Nebraska. What do you what are you meant to think? <laughs> panhandle? Is it like, is it shaped like a pan? Has it got a handle? And it is shaped like a pan, and it does have a handle, and yeah, and we were in there. Um, it was a uh, it was um let me have a look oh yeah that's right Cheyenne um yeah that's right Uh, when we actually got into Cheyenne uh Wyoming um this was a this was I remember I remember it distinctly well and we pulled into the bus station and I think it was about 10 o'clock in the morning I can't remember which morning it was it could have been any morning it was definitely one morning and we pulled into the bus station the Greyhound bus station and it was on a corner and uh, I remember Cheyenne uh, or at least that part of it it was there was massive uh, red brick buildings uh, and and the streets were wide as well and the sky was blue it was like uh, the strangest kind of dream where everything was them um, massively uh, you know ding ding you know bright and shiny and in your face and and, and perfect as well the sky was perfect and blue and there were these massive mountains um there uh, in the background um, uh, kind of like a, you know cutting cutting off the distance between the tops of the buildings and the and the bright blue sky. Me and we trundled uh, we trundled into uh, into Cheyenne, Wyoming. Came at the bus station. We had about an hour, I think, uh, in between changing buses, and uh, we, me and a couple of the guys, thought we'd we'd go and get something to eat uh, because we were starving. And we came out the bus station, and there must have been like a nuclear air raid warning or something, cause there was like nobody. There was nobody, and and it was on, like, a, a quite a large intersection, and it was, like, one or two cars, but no, no pedestrians. There was there was nothing. There was nobody around. And so we both, you know, there was me and one of the other guys. We split up, and we thought, this is a bit odd. <laughs> so we crossed over the road again to the next block, and at this time there was, like, no traffic or no pedestrians on the streets. And it was, like, it was really, really strange. It was, like, you know, there'd been maybe some strange disease that had wiped everybody out. <laughs> it was just this was 10 o'clock in the morning and it, it might have been a weekday morning it wasn't wasn't a weekend i don't think um and across on uh opposite to us uh, uh where, you know on the second block that we that we uh crossed over into there was this huge um red brick building and above it was uh, a life-size model of a cowboy on a booking bronco <laughs> and he was Rocking backwards and forwards, uh, and underneath it was um, Cheyenne, Wyoming, uh, the home of Wrangler jeans. <laughs> and it was uh, above a cow. It was above a shop that was selling all this cowboy gear. But uh, yeah it was Cheyenne, Wyoming, the home of Wrangler jeans. <laughs> I thought uh, it was one of those ones that st- that stuck with me because I thought, ah, I, you know, I didn't have any Wrangler jeans with me, but I thought I've worn Wrangler jeans. I thought, is this where they come from? And did they all come from that shop? I don't know. But the the cowboy, and again, my camera was on the bus, so I didn't get a picture of it, but it was just this image of this cowboy on the booking bronco, home of Wrangler Jeans. And back in the panhandle of Nebraska, once we'd uh, had a McDonald's, it always seems to be a McDonald's that was close by to the bus station. So we had a McDonald's, got back on the bus. And uh, there was a few more bits of advertising that I remember. Um, When we got into uh, Nebraska, there was, Kimball, Nebraska, uh, and 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 the little slogan for it uh, on the sign as as you came into the town was uh, uh, not the largest, just the nicest. <laughs> How nice! <laughs> I wonder if the town council thought that one up. Don't know. Is it is it that way now? If if there's anybody from Kimball, Nebraska, listening, I'd uh, I'd like to know. Are you still not the largest? And are you still the nicest? And somewhere in Campbell, Nebraska, uh, probably on the way out, there was a, a tobacco advertising sign. I can't remember uh, what the what the cigarettes was, but uh, its its slog its slogan its, its catchline was um, "tons of taste and a tad of tar." <laughs> I'll repeat that: "tons of taste and maybe wait, wait, I'll, I'll try with an American accent." <laughs> I'll try. I'll try again. I'll try again. Okay, "tons of taste and a tad of tar." <laughs> Yeah, so it's ton of, I mean, a tad of tar. <laughs> is that some kind of, um? Is, is that for the people who were feeling conscious that it, there might be something, you know, unhealthy about uh, smoking this particular brand of cigarette? But, you know, don't worry, there's only a tad of tar in there. So there's only a little bit that's going to kick the linings of your lungs and kill you eventually. But, hey, you know, what the hell? I wonder who that was. I would like I'd like to have been around the table in the marketing department, you know, when they actually came up with that one a ton of taste and a tad of tar. It's like, was there anybody leaving the room? <laughs> like, I would have left the room going, tad of tar? Really? Can't we just leave it, like, a ton of taste? Or maybe there was, was a jingle. Maybe there was, like, they had their own kind of, like, branding, marketing tune. And it was... doo. ton of taste and a tad of tar. Hmm, I don't know. There you go. If they want that, they can have that. Anyway, I just sang it to you. But meanwhile, back on the bus, there was lots of things... Um, Happened on the bus. Uh, lots of lots of little small little things, and uh, I had to read back through detail to find out some of the nice things. And uh, just going back to my uh, my good friend Kristen, who got on in uh, in uh, Davenport. Uh, one of the things that she did, because um, she would often cross talk. I mean, it's like politics as well. You know, you would generally talk to the person next to you, but sometimes you would talk to the person across the aisle. You know, like like often happens in your uh, in. Um, politics. I was going to say, in, yeah, I was going to suddenly suddenly decide I had nothing but American listeners. I was going to say, you know, in your uh, House of Representatives Senate committee, whatever it is, however it works, you know, you never see anybody crossing the House to shake hands with people. Likewise, in the UK in Parliament, you know, they're too busy sort of throwing empty packets of crisps at each other or something. Um, but yeah, so Kristen, um, she would go, got talking to a lady who had a little baby. And the little baby was crying, so then Kristen um, had her uh, Walkman thing, a little Sony Walkman thing, and and she put the headphones on the baby, and you know turned the Walkman on, and then the baby started smiling, and then the baby fell asleep. Now, as amazed at that because I've never seen a baby fall asleep to Metallica before. <laughs> I don't know what it was. I, I don't I don't know what she had in the Walkman, but um uh, you know a day a day or so later I'm in the same situation. I was talking to this lady, and uh, she had a little baby and, and another uh, small child with her, and the baby started to cry. And I said, "Oh, shall we? Shall we try this?" And I was thinking, "Please, God, let this work." And so, um, I put the uh, put the headphones on the little baby, and the only other cassette that I had with me, and you know, again, this is cassette land, uh, was by uh gyra I don't know if you remember uh, Spira gyra In fact, they may well still be around. I don't actually know, but they were like um. I don't know, it, it, sort of a pop funk thing, would you call it? Uh, it's sort of easy escalator music. Do you, do you know what I mean? It would be like a, or lift music, you know. Do, 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 do. It, it, it would be very, 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 very stuff you could sort of whittle to without worrying about cutting yourself by being interrupted by the music so i uh I put the uh, put the headphones on little baby had the volume down really low and um you know spyro gyro there
1: do do do
0: do do and it worked thank God for that and the baby stopped crying and I was a hero so yeah so I haven't put that down on my uh, resume uh, can stop baby crying with Spyro Gyra because it's it very rarely comes up in interviews you know you're uh stop baby crying sort of technique or qualifications who knows there might even be in you know some sort of educational certificate somewhere baby handling actually no baby handling that sounds that doesn't sound right does it no (laughs) forget that scrap that idea you know if I could be bothered to edit all this out I would but I can't be bothered so it's just going to stay in there But (laughs) okay so do you remember earlier on um when I didn't need a drink well I do now so hang on it is only orange juice i could uh wish i could show you a picture of it i'm drinking it out of my uh my my duff beer mug which everybody has don't they don't doesn't everybody have a duff beer mug anyway so um remember earlier on uh, i came across this uh, interesting principle that there, there was a federal law about there being non-smoking um on the back of the bus um so when we got into uh, utah or crossed the line over into utah Uh, Our bus driver at the time was a gentleman by the name of Dutch Washer. That was his name, honest to God. So Dutch Washer. So he must have been, I'm guessing, you know, uh, some sort of a German Mormon um. Whatever. But anyway, yeah, lo- lovely fella. Uh, he had uh, some fantastic. He was. He was a bit like a, a, a tour guide at different points. Um. He, he pointed out at one uh, as as we passed by this one thing, uh, a rock that looked like a cowboy riding a horse. It's it it again. I didn't have my camera with me. We were probably going too fast. Nobody was going to argue with him. Yes, there was a rock that looked. And it did. There was a rock that looked like a cowboy riding a horse. Uh, and then on the other side of the road da, 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 there was a tree that had been growing out of a rock for a hundred years <laughs> he was full of it he had all this fantastic and then the final one the final one of his um his particularly interesting uh facts as we as we drove along uh the grave of a scottish nobleman didn't give his name didn't tell us when he died <laughs> but apparently it was the grave of a Scottish nobleman so this is Dutch but his best one was um, to do with the smoking laws so when we crossed over uh, into into Utah as we were crossing the state line uh, he said, and I quote and I'm not going to do his accent because he had a really funny accent but uh, this is what he said he said, normally smokers are allowed to occupy the three rear seats of this bus however, in the state of Utah smoking is prohibited anywhere on the bus including the bathroom at the rear of the bus and then he went on to emphasize should you be found smoking on this bus you will be fined 300 pounds and not or you will spend 30 days in jail and he said i'm not kidding that will happen if you get found smoking on this bus then he said, I'll also get fined $300 if anyone is found smoking on this bus. So you won't smoke on the bus, will you? And we all nodded. You know, I didn't smoke anyway. Did I say £300 earlier on? <laughs> but yeah, so basically it was a $300 fine for the person caught smoking. Um, that it was $300 fine for him. And then he would also get uh, 30 days in jail. Nice. <laughs> uh yes so <clears throat> oh yeah just just prior to the yeah i've got something written down here about eveston wyoming uh or everston eveston everston uh that was the last town that we passed out that we passed through before leaving wyoming oh yeah i remember this um this was nighttime on one night and it was uh all these big rigs you know all the trucks on the road and uh convoy yeah massive convoy of trucks um, and i remember all the all the lights it was uh this was coming in the other direction and i just remember all the lights and it was like um you know it made the coca-cola truck look like a mini car <laughs> it was it was just incredible and uh, there's i can't remember how many trucks there were but yeah it was like a massive convoy just trailing off through the desert coming towards us like this big sort of illuminated mechanical worm thing um but mind you that didn't match when we um Uh, came into Las Vegas. I think it must have been twilight or something. It was sort of dark turning to day. It was early in the morning, I remember. And uh, by this point, um, you know, pet pills or no pet pills, I was feeling quite knackered. And um, I remember kind of like squinting my eyes, and um, as we came into Las Vegas, it was you know there was kind of like it was like desert and darkness. Then all of a sudden it was da 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 da. There was like lights. I mean, so much lights. How much power does that city use? You know, it was like just incredible amounts of da 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 da. da you know, illuminating in the desert. I mean, it must change the uh, um, the wildlife around there. They must have to adapt to be living under these lights. You know, what used to be uh, you know lizards with dark skins and and big huge eyes that lived out in the desert to see well in the dark you know they're now wearing you know overcoats and sunglasses or something because you know, there's just so much light 24 7 light all the time <laughs> lizards wearing coats and sunglasses i don't know <clears throat> i think i need i think i need another a little bit of orange juice just to uh hmm, maybe put some i'm probably dehydrated that's what it is so um my final thing for the end of chapter three is uh, we set off and i'm reading this now we set off at six fifteen pm on saturday the 24th of september 1988 uh, we stopped at riverside california and finally got into los angeles at one forty-five pm on that saturday afternoon half an hour late uh, it was actually half an hour late on that leg of the journey but um when you think about it it <laughs> it must have been about three quarters of a day extra altogether um because i set off on tuesday evening at 6:45 p.m and it should have been um you know three days and three hours roughly but uh you know we got there saturday afternoon uh so it, that has to be uh a lot longer <laughs> but hell i enjoyed it i mean it was absolutely fantastic and uh would i do it again yeah sure i'd do it again um, with all this knowledge as well. And in fact, I'd take the long, tedious route as well and I'd make sure there was as many changes as possible just so I could meet like all these fantastic and weird and wonderful people. Um, And if you've not done this before, if you've not done... Because it's still a pioneering thing to do, whether you be from another country or in America, take the Greyhound bus from coast to coast. Uh, it's just... It's an experience. And then when, then when you get to Los Angeles, well, when you get to Los Angeles, that... It is in fact uh, part two <laughs> of the great American adventure. I hope you enjoyed this, but I know I have.
1: come drink no 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 and we can make you dance but we just can't make
0: the end of another show from wonderful radio flanagan and me paul flanagan i hope you've enjoyed it i know i have and um well i'll uh, catch you next time on wonderful radio flanagan